Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution, an economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And Ed, are you ready to earn our mouse ears? <laughs> yeah, yes, I am, Ron. Going to be fun. But, I mean, <laughs> it, it's fun just even to talk about Disney, not even just, you don't have to go and experience it. Just talking about it can be fun. Well, you know, I've, I've studied them pretty, uh, pretty long and hard over the last 20 years of my career. And, uh, there's, there's a lot to learn there, just how they deal with things and, and just general business principles. Pretty amazing. I know we talked a little bit about this when we, uh, talked about Walt Disney and our entrepreneur heaven series, but this time I want to focus on the Disney university. Mm -hmm. And it was actually founded by a guy named Van France. And, um, he was, he had a military background. He had a manufacturing background, but Walt brought him into Disneyland when it opened in 1955 as a way to bring some creativity to designing employee orientation and, and be as creative in that as they were with like the architects and the buildings and the whole building of Disneyland. Right. And it was this guy's idea to launch Disney University, which he did seven years later in 1962. And then the the Disney Institute uh, grew out of the Disney University. The Disney Institute was open to the public, and that launched in 1986. And that's the program I attended where (laughs) I actually did earn my mouse ears and ended up writing a three-part series about it. But, and, and, and you learn a lot of really interesting things when you, when you take a Disney course, because they tend to take you behind the scenes, something that they call field experiences. And so they take you places that, you know, normal guests don't get to see. And of course I attended in 1997 when it was at Walt Disney World, um, which was, which was great. So we'll talk about some of those behind the scene experiences, but one of the things that just you know, you visited Disneyland and Disney World, you know, the attention to detail is oh, just incredible, right? Just beyond the pale. Like, and, and you notice new things each time you go, too. And you swear, well, that wasn't there last time. Oh, yeah, it was. You just missed it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, Walt used to say Disneyland is the star, everything else is in the supporting role. And if if you look at how they built Disneyland, and there's a great tour 
that they do at Disneyland in Anaheim called Walking in Walt's Footsteps. And boy, I'll tell you, Ed, the docents that do these tours, oh, they have an encyclopedia knowledge of Disney and Walt and the history of the organization. But things like, you know, the sidewalks. Have you ever noticed sidewalks in Disneyland or Disney World? They don't have 90-degree corners because that's not how people move. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And even things like on Main Street, the shop windows, though they're all low enough so a child can look in. And in fact, the whole park was built from the perspective of a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two thirds size, right? Two thirds actual size is kind of the, the their their what they shoot for architecturally. Yeah, there's a scale. In fact, and it and it shrinks as it moves up to give it the appearance of of being bigger than it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. One of the things that Van France did as the founder of Disney University, and I think you'll really appreciate this, he said that Disney University was the conscience of the organizational culture. And Mm. Disney University is part of their HR. It's in the HR division. That's, I guess, where it fits on the organizational chart. But he was instrumental as well as Walt, obviously, in the language. He had a big role. And we all know that they call their... You know, customers, guests, and their employees, cast members. And they talk about being on stage and backstage. But this guy added some more terminology to the culture. He didn't like the the term uniform. So they have costumes when you're at Disneyland or Disney World. Uh, They they don't speak of audience. Uh, They speak of audience, not crowds. Mm -hmm. It's a theme park, not an amusement park. And they they rate things as good or bad show. And bad show is kind of taboo. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, it's just well, interesting and one of the, how he paid attention to the language. Yes, and one of the things I picked up on in your article series, and we'll certainly post them as part of the, the, the show notes, it, it was even in this process of the difference between, and they didn't want to call it orientation, they wanted to call it, passing on the traditions so the course that that people take was a day and a half is called their traditions course it's not employee orientation we're not orientating anybody we're passing on traditions and i thought that that was a really interesting uh change as well right when when i there's a there's a and there's a great book that i got some of this background on uh on the disney university by a guy named doug lip and and we'll post up the link to the book too and and it's a really really interesting book because it kind of gets into the details behind how they operate at Disney University. And one of the things that um, Van France said, now he did use the word training a lot, in fact, almost exclusively, but he says training is not a car wash. You know, this is not just something that we pump people through. It is really to pass down the traditions, especially as the, the university got formed and the company sort of matured or at least, you know, got on in years. They, found, they thought it was really important to be able to pass on these traditions. And just interestingly enough, Ed, when they, when they um, built Disney World, Walt Disney World in Florida, you know, they had a lot of earth movers and everything because it's, you know, it's a, it's a two-story structure, basically, because <laughs> there's lots of underground tunnels. They made the construction workers go through the traditions course mm-hmm. because Walt wanted them to know what they were doing. Even though the park wasn't up yet, you know, or all that, but he made the the construction teams go through this education as well, which I just found fascinating. 
Yeah, well, because everyone has to have that that base foundation of understanding and you know the construction workers as well this is that they're 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 building something that Walt clearly envisioned would last for hundreds of years and he wanted to make sure that was right no it makes total sense yeah he used to talk about how disneyland will never be completed and all of that and in fact in 1962 um uh france wrote a memo van france wrote a memo and I, when I read this, it just, it just blew my mind. I'm, I'm going to read this. It's chopped up, but I'm mm-hmm. going to read it. It says, Disneyland will never be completed. We've certainly lived up to that promise. This is seven years on. He says, but what about the people who operate it? Are we growing with the show or just getting older? <laughs> Think mm. about this, Ed. Think about this. The trouble with people is that we get hardening of the mental arteries cirrhosis of the enthusiasm and arthritis of the imagination along with chronic and sometimes acute allergies to supervision subordinates the whole darn system is it possible that what we have gained through experience we have lost through habit and that what we have gained through organization we have lost in enthusiasm he was trying to breathe new life this was something that was only seven years old right and he thought it was already going you know a little bit stale Mm-hmm. It's astonishing. It's just, it's, it is astonishing. Wow. This is, I mean, you parse that quote out. There's so many great things uh, in that. We could talk, do whole shows on just just phrases in in, in that that uh, quote. Uh, but I, in, in all seriousness, no. And, and I, when you were talking about this, what I heard was, you know, hey, how many how many businesses just go through the motions? You know, uh, our, our our friends in the accounting profession are eight days away from you know their their release from jail, as they call it, right? The finishing right. up tax season in the U.S. But how how many of them are going through the motions? How many how many are are taking the the the, the time? The chance to, as as Disney would call it, take those moments of truth with with the with their 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 customers, their what they would call clients, and and really making it work. Or are they just, hey, how many process, how many returns can I process through at this this point? It's really it's a tough thing. Look, and I understand the workload's high, but at the same time, you know, if you really want to be different, this is what you got to think about. Absolutely. And, you know, just on that training versus education, because we obviously yeah. prefer education, um, you know, animals are trained. I can train my dog, but we educate fellow humans. Our late colleague, Paul O'Byrne, had a great way to illustrate this. It's such a sticky idea. I know we've mentioned it before on the show, but it, it bears repeating. He said the difference between training and education, and he used to ask audiences this, would you want your 13-year-old daughter to get sex training or sex education? Mm-hmm. And, boy, once you hear that, you, you never go back, do you? No. You, yeah. In fact, every time you hear training, you start to chuckle, actually. That's, that's what I do. It's like, ah, training, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so Van France thought in, in order to create an environment uh, in education of thinking and feeling, he wanted mm-hmm. you to both think and feel he wait, had, wait, wait, Ron. We can't be thinking and feeling and because feel. that would be two polar opposites of the Myers-Briggs, uh, you know, personality That's true. profile. Yeah, what would that profile be? <laughs> I don't even know. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, he, he laid out four circumstances. He said uh, an educational program has to be innovative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it has to have uh, organizational support. Uh, there are there actually has to be some education, so you have to learn concepts and theories and things like that, but you also have to entertain. And Walt had a great line. He said, laughter is no enemy to learning. So right. they obviously used 
a, a lot of a lot of entertainment and i can i can vouch for that at disney university there was lots of laughter and lots of uh, entertainment even though you were getting literally cutting edge education i mean i thought it was and i say this all the time but it was some of the best education that i've ever had in my life i mean, the only one that comes close is is cato university Mm. And, you know, it's interesting because that word ed- education, I think that uh, we've t- often talked about Latin words and my dad and, and why I'm so fascinated by them. But the word educate is an interesting one because it, it, it actually means to extract from. Right, it, like the word extrude. Right, all of the all of these words that come from that EUD root have this notion of it's a pulling out, a drawing out, not a putting in. Not a putting and in. I think. Th- and and I think and I think unfortunately what's happened is the 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 industrialization so to speak of education the 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 Prussian system which which was put in place is all about it's like kids are slow moving parts through a factory, right. And they're imparting all of this knowledge in them as they slowly move down the hallways of the grammar school and on their way back to the finishing plant, you know, which is we call high school or college. And it's not. It's about it should be about drawing out. And my friend Rob Johnson referred to himself or still I guess he still refers to himself. Rob's still around as an edutainer. Right. Right. (laughs) And. And and I think that that's that's right. I mean, I both of us we try to use lots of humor in the the courses that we deliver, make it funny because it's it's more human. It's more it's more of of an experience uh, for everyone. And look, me being a former theater guy, I absolutely look at every single presentation that I deliver is it's a show to a certain it's a extent. It's a, it's a show. I'm I'm in costume. I'm 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 delivering lines. And no, it's it's not scripted most of the time. But I'm delivering lines and I want to get not only the knowledge, uh, do I want to share the knowledge with people or actually extract it from them, but I want to connect with them as people too, or really, really connect with them. Right. You're on stage. And I think that's a really good point about drawing out as opposed to putting in, because if you think about your best teachers, ask anybody who your best teachers, your best professors, the thing in common is they made me better than I thought I could be. In other words, yep. they drew the fire out of you rather than, you know, just dump in knowledge. So this is great, Ed. And we come back, we got a little bit more to share about Disney's underlying philosophies. In the meantime, folks, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. And we will have full show notes along with my three-part article, Earning My Mouse Ears, on the soul of enterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. Ed, Ed and I are here doing, earning our mouse ears, and we're talking about Disney's approach to customer loyalty. One of the other things, Ed, and I think this is fascinating because this goes back to our very first show. The uh, Disney University lays out park operations priorities. Now, this is taught in the traditions course, and this is part of their beginning orientation. And it really hasn't changed since uh, Van here started the started the program. Number one, safety. That, mm-hmm. that is top consideration above all. Second is courtesy. Third is you're putting on a show. Right. So the mm-hmm. whole on stage and always be in costume and always be courteous and all of that. Guess what the last one is? Capacity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And they say the first three ensure this one is sustainable. In other words, they'll sacrifice efficiency uh, or even capacity uh, to make sure they're doing the other three. So mm-hmm. it's and to me, the other three are all effectiveness. Right. Right. And, right. and, and yep. So that's why I'm okay with them putting efficiency in there as, but it comes clearly last last and absolutely last, you know, and I love the fact that safety is first and look, everybody knows that everybody knows that, that safety is, is it, uh, no one reacted better than, you know, to that horrible incident down in Florida where, where a kid staying at a Disney hotel, uh, I believe was killed by an alligator. Right. And, right. you know, the, but, but I think that they, they, they recovered from it. They, they, they absolutely re- recover from because people know hey safety comes first here a couple of us his other axioms were it takes a happy uh, there's a movie industry axiom it takes a happy crew to produce a happy show so he taught mm-hmm. the whole philosophy of if our if our team member if our uh, uh what do they call them associates not um cast members if our cast members <laughs> are happy our guests will be happy uh he also said that money may be tight but creativity is free so he challenged people to think out of the box and do things differently. And he said, and, and, and we, we lo- we'll love this, you'll love this, the budget is the coward's way out of any problem. Yeah. <laughs> so he used to hate to hear, oh, we can't do that, it's not in the budget, you know, and he, he just loathed that whole thing. Um, yeah, I want to ma- mention a couple things on this, though, because there, I, I did read a book um, by, by, by the Disney Imagineers called The Imagineering Way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they bring up in that in that book is the creation of the 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 um, I forget what it's called, but where you fly over California. Oh yeah, soaring over California, soaring soaring over yeah. soaring over California, and that there was a budget constraint. 
that was put that was put on the team to do that. Yes. And the, the the guy went and, and and created this thought. You know, he used his 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 erector set. Remember yes. erector sets, right? Yep, absolutely. And he, he went home and had the idea to 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 do this thing. Where we're gonna, how are we going to bring him over California? We have this you know limited budget. And originally it was designed as some kind of a a ride where you're going to go through a car, like it's a small world, right? But then no, and so they not only you know brought it in on, uh, under budget, but also used su- uh, su- such little space to do this that they were able to you know then create a whole nother ride that's next to it and i forget what's next to it in the park but it was all just due to that that notion of creativity and sometimes putting the constraint around it and that that is so important now that said one of the mistakes that i often seen organizations make is that not only do they put a budget constraint around what it is that you're supposed to do but then they they also say well and you can only do this see disney make it says okay yes we will give you the budget constraint but we take up all the dampers with regard to how you go about doing it and i think that is one of the keys is if you're inside an organization and you're going to give people some kind of a constraint like a budget that's fine but let them be creative with it let them do something that's a little bit out of the out of the norm um, and no it might not be successful but you know what? it won't be successful either doing the same thing that you've always done with less money though right right no great point the, the other thing that van was in charge of too was also helping the, the disneyland empire expand you know to other countries so he was big in opening Tokyo. And one of the things I didn't know until I read this Doug Lip book, and this is a great story, Ed, when they opened the Tokyo Disneyland in April of 1983, you know, they had built the Haunted Mansion over there. And so the artists go in there, the Imagineers, and they make the place look creepy, right? They put up cobwebs and stains on the wallpaper, right? They're trying to creep the place out. Well, they send in a cleaning crew that actually used to work in like Japanese hospitals. So these people are just fanatic. They're great cleaners. They go in and they scrub this place clean. They throw cobwebs <laughs> and they dig. And, and they're freaking out over this because this is one of the most popular attractions. And they're, they're trying to call the, the, uh, the crew that put the, the, did the Haunted Mansion. And they haven't even landed back in uh, you know, LAX yet in Los Angeles. And when they did, they got a page. And they had to get on a plane and turn around and go creep out the haunted mansion again. And I just thought, wow, that was a great story. <laughs> and 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 the lesson was you got to make sure, you know, when you're in, operating in other cultures that you account for all cultural differences, including communication and language and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I think that's such a, a, a critical, critical point. So. <laughs> and I did not, I also did not know that Steve Martin used to work at the magic shop. In Disneyland, that was, oh. that was news to me. That's part of his. That's news resume. to me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess I should give a little bit of background on this. I used to write for a newsletter published by the Harcourt Brace uh, Company, the publishing company. They did my first book, and it was called something like uh, Total Client Service because, of course, it was written for CPA. So they used the word client, not customer. I always hated that. Um, but I, but I wrote that, and I, my emphasis back then, this was in the early 90s, mid-90s, was customer service. So, of course, I had been studying Disney and Nordstrom and, you know, all the great service companies that you think of. And I got this idea one day to say, you know, I always knew I wanted to go to Disney Institute ever since I found out about it. A couple of my dad's customers had attended and they were ta- telling me how great it was. I knew it was there. I knew it was open to the public. And I thought... 
what if I could go as a journalist? What if I could get comped and I'll tell Disney, hey, I'll write up, I'll write a series of articles about my experience. And I ran that by my editor and she kind of thought I was half loony. She said, yeah, sure, try it. They'll just say no. And of course I tried it and they said, yes, we'd love to have you. And that's how I got into Disney Institute for free. (laughs) (laughs) I did it with a press pass. (laughs) See, they appreciated creativity even when it was one of their their customers or guests pulling it on them. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> Which leads me to this, though, and I just love this phrase that that I just dis- discovered in, in reading your articles is that that they view their customers slash guests because they're actually guests. They don't call them customers, but as paying, not paid, paying consultants. Just what a fantastic way to think about the organiz- the, the people for that you serve, that they are paying consultants for your organization. Just absolutely brilliant. It, it really is because – I mean, obviously, D- Disney's a great innovator, so they anticipate, they try and anticipate the needs, and you know, from that standpoint, they're not out there focus group and all that, but just from how to plus what they call plussing the experience of being in the park, they do have many listening posts. They call them mouse ears. They have many ways to gather feedback. I, I don't know if you've ever been approached in the park by somebody with a clipboard or maybe now an iPad, probably. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but they have many many ways to figure out. I mean, and and they're do, they're doing this to look for just the mi- most minute details. I, I remember the instructors in the course I took talked about how they always have uh, restrooms after a water ride, like the Pirates of Caribbean. You know, mm-hmm. they're easily seen and marked because you get off a twenty minute water ride, and you know. Many people have to go to the bathroom. I mean, that's that's kind of the attention to detail. And the other thing that struck me is you can imagine on some of the rides, you know, if you're a pregnant woman, you can't you can't ride it. Um, now, that that's about the last thing you want to do is ask a woman who's not pregnant if she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so they they came up with a way for the cast members to. You know, if they spotted somebody in the line uh, coming mm-hmm. up to the front and they weren't sure, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They would, they would start asking even the guys, hey, are you pregnant? Are you, you right. know? And, and then it just became a big joke and everybody was laughing and nobody got offended. And, you know, mm-hmm. those are the types of things that, wow, you just, the fanatical attention to detail. Yeah, no, I I attended. I didn't do obviously all of the Disney course like you did, but I did was at a at a conference where one of the 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 guys who was the former CEO, I believe, or chief operations officer, and I I forget the gentleman's name, but he he gave a a a ninety minute talk on this, and one of the great stories that he told was that their backup plans on certain things, like he, he and he had this very long involved story. I'm going to shorten it where he he would say, you know, we get you get picked up in the at the at the you know, parking because it's one of the things that we still do struggle with is that there's a you know a lot of parking, a lot of cars in there. But you know, we do have the the, the trolleys that come through, and every every two minutes they're saying, and don't forget, you're parked at Aladdin 17, right? And thanks for getting on the trial. We you're parked at Aladdin 17, and when they were halfway through the ride, Aladdin 17, and then, <laughs> then when they drop you off at the park, just want to remind you that if you when you're ready to get your car back again today, you have to remember you're in Aladdin 1717. <laughs> Of course, and then after a full day at the park, you walk out and 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 they say, "Well, what what parking lot were you in?" Uh, no <laughs> like, idea. No, 
<laughs> no idea. So, but they have. So, when did you get here? And then they've got that tied back to okay. So, if you got here between eleven o'clock and eleven fifteen, you're going to be in Aladdin seventeen, right? right. So they had to have the whole the whole timing thing is just structured in such a way that e- with a backup plan that even if you can't remember Aladdin seventeen, they will get you back to your car. Right. And and I remember the instructors telling us you would be amazed how many people pull into our parking parking lots and the kids are screaming. Everybody's so excited. <laughs> they leave the car running. <laughs> and how many how many cars we've had to bust into and to shut off the engine. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. That's, that's hysterical. like uh, that's like Chevy Chase and vacation, right? Tying the dog to the back of the bumper. And remember that taking. Off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, too funny. Well, well, Ron, we're coming up on our next break here, but we want to remind you that you can visit our website, thesoulofenterprise.com, where we will certainly post full show notes of this episode and all of the 130-plus episodes that we have already done. We do post show previews coming up. New feature of the page, and that is our calendar page, so thesoulofenterprise.com slash calendar, where you can see upcoming events, which includes our shows as well as titles for shows in the future. That's a new feature. So if you want to know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, you should be able to see that. But it also includes all of the live events where myself or Ron uh, or actually some of our other Verisage colleagues might be appearing. But it will it has to be at least my, either Ron or me um, at one of these events. And if you are going to be in the neighborhood, we'd love for you to stop by. Uh, please also review the show on iTunes. But right now we want to hear from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. 
On one of our previous shows, also available on our website, uh, we had a guest, Lee Cockrell, who well, he was the CEO of Disney World. Ron, I, is that correct? I think he was executive vice president of park operations. Park operations, okay, yeah. for Disney, but world, not world, not land, right. Right, right? World and and one one of the great stories that that he shared with us on that was the the top three questions that are asked at Disney properties. And I just want to relate that uh, to you. But do, first of all, do go back and listen to that show. We'll we'll post it in the show notes, so a link to it that you can go back and, and listen to. It's fantastic. Uh, he was a fantastic guest. But here, in order, here are the top three questions that are asked at a Disney property. And the first one's easy. Where are the restrooms, right? So <laughs> in, in alignment with your story about the Pirates of, of the Caribbean and uh, them come, coming back is, okay, where are the restrooms? Number one question. The number two question, most people would get it if you think about it, and that is where is Mickey Mouse or a specific character, right? And when I went a couple of years ago to Disneyland, it was Elsa. Where's Elsa? Where's mm-hmm. Elsa? From yep. uh, fr- from from Frozen, <laughs> the, right? So that was the number. But the number three question is, what time is the five o'clock parade? Now, which usually solicits some chuckles and laughter because, Absolutely. well, dude, it's it would be five o'clock. But what the folks at Disney have figured out, and what I think is so critical, uh, is that that is not the question. Right. They are asking a different question, but they don't know how to express it. The question that they're really asking is either it's one of two things. What either what time is the five o'clock parade coming by here? Because it's the five o'clock parade lasts 45 minutes, depending upon where you are in the park. Or it's even this. Is this a good spot? Am I going to get a good view of the five o'clock parade? But it's not expressed like that for whatever reason. And maybe we're baked out in the, the, the sun too long. But they, but they, they have figured that out. And what, what Lee Cockrell said, and this was a, a very salient point uh, that I, I thought he was making, is that he said every business has a five o'clock parade question that the customers ask. And most of the time, the people who are answering it do it in a snide, sarcastic way. Like, you moron, of course, it's this. Right. Right. Or they misunderstand it. And, and right. Give, like, how long is this going to take in, in the case of professionals? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Who interpret interpret that as a question of price in a lot of cases. How long this is this going to take? And you say, well, it's going to be $200 or, you know, whatever it is, how many, how many hours it's going to take you to, to do it. But most of the time when a, when a, a customer, a prospective customer is asking how long is it going to take, they're not asking a question of effort. They're asking a question of duration, meaning when can I have it, which is a completely different question. In fact, it's a sign that they really do want it. It's actually a high high value sign to me, anyway. Right, right. And then I think when the when I attended Disney Institute, they had a lot of different courses, and I I chose the Disney approach to customer loyalty, and the subtitle was creating service that keeps your customers coming back. Uh, because I was really interested in customer loyalty at that point, and one of the statistics, and this is as of 1996. But 75% of the guests at Walt Disney World on any given day are repeat visitors. Wow. That kind of blew me away. When you consider they have 100 million guests that have mm-hmm. made more than 500 million visits in, in the 25-year history. Now, again, this was as of 1996. But I was in this course with about 60 
some odd other participants. They were all from around the world, from different organizations. I mean, we had YMCA there and Amtrak and the U.S. Air Force. And Wait, wait, wait. Amtrak? Yep, the government. No. You bet. Okay. Yep. Well, I bet that didn't take because I haven't heard any good Amtrak customer loyalty stories. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, I know, and they and they and they and I think that they slept through the safety part too. But <laughs> <laughs> it's another issue. Well, um, we're bad. <laughs> and, and you know, there were no accounting firm people there. But I went looking at the alumni list of uh, firms that had gone. Anderson Consulting, of course, that's when they were with the the auditing firm, but they had since split. And, of course, Ernst & Young uh, was on the alumni list, which I thought was interesting. But one of the things they talked about, how do they generate so much loyalty amongst their customers? They used a customer relationship scale. And they said, you can be passive uh, mm-hmm. with your customers, which is a satisfaction-based relationship. In other words, a customer satisfied. You know, if you've ever right. filled out a survey and said, oh, I'm satisfied. Well, that means nothing mm-hmm. because that's really a measure of yesterday. But Disney estimates that about 75% of businesses are in the, the, um, the passive category. And then you've got active, which would be in the middle. And then that's performance-based. So that mm-hmm. means you're, you know, you're trying to meet and maybe even to some level exceed their expectations. They estimate 15 to 20% are in that phase. And then the last one in the, the highest order is the interactive phase which is a commitment-based, where you're mm-hmm. really trying to uh, anticipate your customer's needs and enter into to a partnership or something like that. But you know, this is where they got the, our customers are paying consultants. So we can constantly innovate and, and anticipate their needs and delight them. Yeah. And, and look, I saw evidence of that when I did the tour when I've told the story a couple times on the on the air here, uh, my, my tour of Zappos in November where they, and they call them PECs, P-E-C's. Right. Mm-hmm. And they call it it's, it's, it's personal emotional connections that what they're looking for is how, how can we make a personal emotional connection? Because, and, and, you know, very similar. Look, uh, Tony Shea at, at Zappos doesn't think that they they sell shoes. He, they deliver happiness. Right. So very much in line with a Disney esque experience from a, a shoe e-tailer. Uh, and and you know they do a fantastic job, and I've told the story that you know they 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 bought us a, a a cab ride back to our hotel. My wife and I were there early, and you know thirteen bucks it was to take us from downtown Vegas, which is where their office is, to the to the Vidara Hotel, and we get into the the Uber that they agreed to pay for for I won't go into the whole big long story, but my wife says, hey, I'll never buy another pair of shoes from someplace else again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. And, and, and that's what that's what Disney would call the active, you know, the interactive mm-hmm. commitment based phase. I mean, Correct. Where, you're, where you're really trying to delight the customer and leave them with something memorable because it's not just about satisfaction. I mean, you can score high scores on satisfaction surveys and customers still defect. Yep. There's a famous Harvard Business Review study that said, you know, 65 to 85 percent of customers who rated their experience satisfactory still defected. And it just shows you that satisfaction measures yesterday. It measures the past. What you're really interested in is the future and what right. the customer going to do. That's right. Do you think that's up, by the way, Ron? Do you think that more more organizations are are active, at least you know, in trying to send out surveys and actively? I I think it's got to be up a little. That'd be my guess. 
Yeah, I, maybe a little bit. I, I still, you know, we always talk about the deteriorating service, uh, just overall. Well, no. Yeah, let me be but, clear. I, I think that I think that that more of them are asking about it, and 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 I think a lot of them are gaming the survey in some ways. Sure. Um, but I think that interactive is down. That I would that I would 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 agree with. Right. Right, because otherwise we wouldn't talk about it like it was so rare, you know. When right, happens, weird. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the Zappos story. Um, but, you know, the other thing that really impressed me is Disney is really understands the, the retention marketing aspect. I mean, they told a story about Walt you know, um, when the Park Operations Committee uh, spoke against doing a Christmas parade because it was going to cost, you know, 350 grand or something. And, and Walt said, hey – we can't ever be satisfied. He says, yeah, sure, we'll get the Christmas crowds with or without the parade, which is what the Parks Committee was arguing. Hey, we're going to get crowds anyway. He says, Mm -hmm. but we always have to give them a little more, what he called plussing. He says, it'll be worth the investment because if they ever stop coming, it'll cost 10 times and take 10 years to get them back. Mm -hmm. He got the economics on this right because if you look at all the surveys, it costs anywhere from four to 11 times more to gain a customer, to acquire a customer than it does to keep one. Yeah. And, and look, I've, I've seen a lot of evidence of, of this in, in different places where, you know, you, you've, you've got to do that. I, you know, and the way that I've, I've heard a phrase, and I think this is, isn't Marcus Buckingham, right? The book, Now Go Work on Your Strengths. Mm, right. Which one of the thin things that he talks about, and he's he's talking about it most often from an employee perspective, or as Disney would say, a cast member, is that when you've got things right inside your organization, and you say, and and that you do a, an employee satisfaction survey, and the results come back, and they say you guys are are good in this, but you guys suck in this. His he said the temptation is to go, try to go fix the things that are wrong. He says, but no, 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 no. What you should do is actually make the things that you do really well better because that's why people are connected to you in the first place. And I think the same thing is true from a customer perspective. It, it makes a ton of sense to me that if you do go out and do uh, customer surveys and get data on this, that the first thing that you should do is is plus it, as Disney would say. Do something that you already do really well even better because that's going to reinforce the customer relationship that you relationships that you already have rather than try to fix the broken ones, which have a much more likely uh, uh, chance of not surviving anyway. Right. And, and one of the ways they implemented that plussing and creating a better outcome rather than just being focused on the activity, uh, at least during the time when I was there, they had a take five program and they told all the cast members, take at least five minutes out of your day and go create happiness for, for a guest or a family. And this could be something simple back then, you just taking a picture of a group or whatever. But when they took us under the tunnels, Ed, the, the, some of the walls were plastered with these take five highlights. And mm-hmm. it, it included thank you letters from guests and all of that. And one that just stuck in my mind was a family drove quite a long way. I forget from where, but it was quite a long way. And one of the little girls got sick. And she had the flu or something, you know, so she's confined to the hotel room. Well, the, the, somebody at the hotel found out about this. And, boy, they had characters up there having breakfast with her. They brought her stuffed animals, the passport with everybody's auto, you know, all the characters autograph. I mean, they made that little girl feel like a million dollars. And 
those are just the kind of things that you can't measure on efficient, with efficiency reports. You don't see it on a financial statement, but that's the kind of thing that touches people's hearts and brings them back. Totally agree. Great story. Terrific story, Ron. Well, we're up against our last break here. We want to remind you that you can contact Ron or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And that email will go to both of us. And don't be surprised when you get a response from both of us as well. We also look for you on Twitter at using the hashtag asktsoe, hashtag ASK. T-S-O-E for The Soul of Enterprise, and we love to hear from you on Twitter and interact in that way as well. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here doing earning our mouse ears, talking about Disney's approach to customer loyalty. And Ed, one of the things that struck me as I was going through the Disney Institute was why is it I can stand in line in the post office and once we hit about five minutes, maybe less, I just start to get irritated like nobody's business. But you can wait an hour and a half for the Haunted Mansion or Space Mountain and, and not have a problem. <laughs> it's it's a yeah. real interesting or in, uh, it study is. in your behavior. Ca- yes, or in the case of my daughter who was five at the time, three and a half hours to meet Elsa. Wow. And it was not a problem. Not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that hits you is we compete. You know, you ask people, who's your competition? And you get the normal answers. You know, if you ask that to a group of accountants, they'll tell you, oh, well, tax software publishers, you know, like Intuit or whatever. And uh, they'll talk about their other accounting firms and enrolled agents. But actually, if you think about it, we compete against any organization 
that has the ability to raise your customers' expectations. Mm-hmm. And that means if you expand your your view on this, that you do compete against Disney. Yeah, you're not running an amusement park, maybe, but when your customers go down to Disney and they experience this great customer service, they're going to come back with higher expectations for you and every other business that they do business with. That's such a great point. You know, we 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 often talk about the, the you're you're competing with others in in your space, but no, you're also competing with Apple and FedEx and all of these organizations that stand for things. Because well, what what what, what do we expect from you know? And, and the airlines, of course, did the most logical thing that we we complained that that how come you guys lose your lose our luggage when it's with us supposedly the whole time and FedEx can get the package overnight to somebody? Well, what they do they bought the system from FedEx to track your luggage, right? So there's a, a, a great example of, of cross-industry competition from a customer loyalty and satisfaction standpoint. We, we, we take the expectations from one place and apply them others. That's just, there's just no two ways about it. Yeah, and the other thing they talked about was, you know, zero defects used to be a big rallying cry with Lean, Six Sigma, especially Six Sigma, which basically almost means zero defects. And Disney challenged that, and they said, look, you're a human company, you're going to make errors. The point is how, what, how you deal with them, how you recover right. from them. So that's a big part of their philosophy. And they cited a study that Marriott had done that said if a guest stayed at a Marriott property, checked out, had no problems, they have something like an 89% loyalty rate, which is pretty good for a major chain. Um, if the guest had a problem during the stay and it was not corrected to their satisfaction before they left the property, mm-hmm. the loyalty rate dropped to 69%, dropped almost 20 mm-hmm. points, which is can have an enormous impact on profitability. But the interesting thing was, and the point that Disney was trying to make, if the, the guest's complaint was satisfied before they left the property, and they really emphasized that, the retention rate flew up to 94%, even above the 89% of the guests who didn't complain. So Disney yep. empowers the cast members to take charge of all customer complaints, even if it's something that's outside of their zone of you know, control or whatever, they own it. They're very much like Ritz-Carlton. You complain mm-hmm. anybody at Ritz-Carlton, it could be the maid, they own that complaint and they have to see it all the way through, even if they're not the one to solve the problem. They have to do the follow-up. Yep. And, and sure. look, it, it happened happened to me. I, I'm I'm loyal to Hilton, not only for my Hilton points, but also because of the experience that I had in Vancouver. Uh, this is three or four years ago, and I wrote a blog post I'll include it in, on the sh- in the show notes where I complained on Twitter when I checked into the hotel and said, "What you know, ni- nice work, Hilton, uh, Hilton of, of, of Vancouver. No wireless, no wireless network. Are you kidding? I have to be wired? Right. Well, I, I I complained about this on Twitter. I went, I went, I go, I taught my class. I came back to my room, and in my room is a wireless router, right, with a note wow. from them. Saw your tweet. <laughs> here, here, enjoy, enjoy the the wireless wireless connection on on us, you know. And here's how to connect it up and all that stuff. So. Wow, that's impressive. Because mm-hmm. often, yep. sometimes when I fly with United and the bags. You know, if it's longer than 10 minutes, I get out the old Twitter and just hit hit United and go, hey, United, what's up with flight, blah, 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 you know, and Uh 
now they don't do anything about it except they do tweet me back say really sorry we're having problems you know and they they they've looked into it and they try and give me an ETA or something and I have to admit at least they're looking into it and they're monitoring this thing in real time you know yep yeah. Uh, well, they had the whole whole United Breaks guitars incident a while ago. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you know, one thing, another book uh, from a former dean of the Disney University. This guy came in after the original um, guy left. Uh, this guy's name was Mike Vance, and he's written some books. I think uh, Thinking Outside the Box or something. I'll get the links up on the show notes. But he tells a story in there when Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom, whatever they call the Walt Disney World uh, version of Disneyland. Is Magic Kingdom? I forget. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think it opened in 72. I think it was 72. And, and, And Walt had passed away in 66. And they were given a VIP tour. And one woman said, uh, wow, it's too bad Walt didn't live to see this. And Mike Vance turned to her and he said, Madam, he did see it. That's why it's here. <laughs> and, and that story's always stuck with me. Well, I th- didn't he lie in his, his deathbed looking up at the ceiling? Like Yes, showing the, the map to his Showing brother, the map. Yeah, but mm-hmm. where everything was going to be laid out and, and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, but, Ed, something struck you when you read these articles. Yeah, um, yeah, and this is another great uh, what I'll call inversion of cause and effect, and and I like to, I like to play with that from time to time as a consultant. I think sometimes inverting cause and effect is helpful. For a quick example, you know, like the the audience creates the performance, the 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 the, the students create the teacher, the the parent, the the the, chi- the children create the parents. You know, that kind of thing. The congregation sure. creates the minister. So just just playing with what was seems to be reverse cause and effect but you had mentioned one in in the story in the article where you talked about within the first hour of you being there i guess one cynic in the class said well this is easy because you're disney and they immediately replied back and says no 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 we're disney because we do these things and man that is such an important point that to to think that the the causal relationship is because you're disney first like disney sprang out of walt completely whole Disneyland just suddenly existed, right? Um, and no, is is the fact that, you know, we started doing these things and it's one step at a time. It's one 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 customer, one guest interaction, one uh, listening post, hearing, uh, one moment of truth at a time that that ultimately make you Disney, right? We're Disney because we do these things. And that's what I think that we need to look at as businesses. We, we, we have to put those things in practice, knowing that they, that's what we'll, we will become at some point. That was the most profound, I think, lesson that I learned out of this. And it, just in terms of a line, I mean, that was a great line. No, we're Disney because we do these things. And then he went on to say, Ed, he said, listen, uh, you know, Disney works in the real world. We, we, you know, at the time we were in Orlando and this was 1996, it was booming. He says, unemployment here is 3%. He says, we have a labor shortage. We have government regulation to put up with. We have stiff competition, go down the road, Universal and SeaWorld and all that. And he said, plus we have union problems. They have over three dozen labor unions inside of Walt Disney World. Mickey's a teamster. <laughs> 
the people that wear the costumes, you know. The, and he said, you think that we're in some type of fantasy land or utopia. No, we operate in the real world. We have real challenges. And yet our focus, because of our purpose, is on the guest experience. And everything we do is pointed towards that. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's such a salient point that that they they make. And um, look, Simon Sinek makes that point too in his Start with Why talk. Look, at, you know, we all have access to the same talent pool. Apple, Google, all of us. There's the same talent pool. Yeah. It's but but why do we? Attra- the question is why do we attract uh, the, the 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 right talent for us? Right. So, folks, we'll get the uh, my three part series on earning my mouse ears up on our show notes page. And in the meantime, Ed, what's up for next week? Next week, we're going to do a fun little riff on uh, Karl Marx's Das Kapital. We're calling the title of the show Das Intellectual Kapital. Oh, excellent. Well, look, I look forward to it. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com, where we will post full show notes on today's show. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.